It's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is significantly easier from outside the cage. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. You're such a troll, though. I know. I'm so excited. I'm going to blow right past that little piece of mockery. As you know, Raf likes to twist the knife, and I'm going right past it because you came up with a great idea. I did. Evening. Yes. Would you like to share with – I mean, I know you like to boast about your ideas. I always do. But I would like to point out Kevin was the one to come up with the troll line off air, and now he feels yeah. really bad about it. So now I'm making him feel worse about it. Twisting the knife. Here's the idea, guys. So the audience knows. They, yeah. I'm sure they picked up on they it quite it. quickly. Uh, our good friend, uh, Mr. Zach Calhoun, was our 200th uh, Facebook fan. And Kevin and I had come up with this idea a while back that what we would do for our 200th fan was give them some airtime. And uh, it just so happened to be one of the people that we were in speech with who's quite capable of saying words. Not well, but enough Thank to God. the point that we're like, yeah. all right, I guess we'll entertain it. So, sure. uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast our great friend, Zach Calhoun. Zach, how are you doing today? Well, after that interruption, Dick, um, I'm doing pretty all right. <laughs> Don't don't accost the host. You'll be kicked off very quickly. Here's the thing. No, Zach does no wrong. Zach's yeah. just I boasted about how nice he was. He's yeah. trying to present some authority <laughs> I know. before he goes. It's adorable. Well, I, I, I do have one demand though, if that's all right. What is your demand? Sure. Uh I simply ask that I be referred to here on out as Mr. Two Hundred. How about that? <laughs> Hi. I love it as a nickname sure. in general for you. It's a, it's a weird right. nickname to have. Uh, all right, I'll I'll play along, Mr. 200. Right. So today, as part of our rules, and this is kind of the push-pull of the idea that we had, is that we're supposed to give you 200 seconds of our airtime uninterrupted. For those who can't do math, that's about three minutes and change. So I'm intrigued because I don't know exactly where you're going, and Kevin for sure as shit does not know where you're going. No way. Okay, great. So, Kev, you want to go ahead and uh, do the honors, and do you want to give him a stipulation or something before he starts? Do the honors or stipulation? Okay, I can give you a 100-second mark. Do you want that? Yes, please. Okay, well, I've got my stopwatch ready. I'm really excited to hear what this is. And you can begin whenever, sir. Okay, well, this commentary is directed partially to your Verbal Tap audience, but primarily to my old friend of 10 years, Mr. Kevin Phillips. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. On July and... 21st... Oh, wait, ready? Time begins. Cool. On July 21st, 1992, the WWF, now WWE, uh, put on their first ever ladder match. So a ladder match is a special type of contest in which the championship belt is suspended above the ring. The only, hold on. The only way to win the match is to climb the ladder, physically retrieve the belt. Whoever gets to it first is the winner and thus the champion. Now, mm-hmm. this first ladder match in company history uh, was not produced at a big show, nor was it for the biggest prize, nor was it held in a particularly important place. <laughs> I can write really well, I promise. This match went down on a Tuesday night on the USA Network. It was only for the WWF Intercontinental Championship, not the world title, and it was held in Portland, the largest city in Maine, a distinction that means about as much as being the nicest guy in Boko Haram. That's my one joke. All right. 
Why do I bring this match up today? Because it was, to my knowledge at least, the first one-on-one encounter between Brett the Hitman Hart Ooh. and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Okay, I'm back in. Okay, so Michaels is without question my favorite pro wrestler of all time. And Hart just so happens to be the favorite of your Verbal Tap co-host, Mr. Rabbit Barza. Uh, or if he isn't Rap's favorite, he's certainly the only one he ever fucking talks about. <laughs> so, Kevin, it has come to my attention that you are decidedly not a wrestling fan. 100 seconds. Okay. Rap's exact explanation was it's a whole, like, not real thing. And I get it. Uh, if you're going to watch an athletic competition, preferably it's an actual competition. Uh, I, on the other hand, am just as decidedly not, as you guys pointed out, a fan of MMA. I prefer my violence to be staged, my submission holds to merely look painful, and my blood to come out of a pre-made cut on the guy's forehead. But I try to be part of the solution, not the problem. So I have a proposal for you, my old friend Kevin Phillips. Step one is for you to watch the Hart versus Michaels ladder match from 92. I'm not sure how easy it is to find, but I do know that I have it on DVD somewhere. <laughs> step two. Step two. For you, Ken, step two is to hook me up with a fight that you think might pique my interest in mm. MMA. I don't care how long it is. I don't care how old it is. I just want to see what you and Rash and your audience see in this sport. So, Verbal Tap listeners, all 17 or so of you, um, if you, if there are wrestling fans among you, and I suspect that there are, light up this guy's mailbox with matches that you think will help him change his tune. <laughs> now, is wrestling always good? Of course not. No more than five days ago, WWE put on a midget ladder match with announcers named, I shit you not, Micro Cole, Jerry Smaller, and J.B. Elf. And they were very, very proud of this. Wow. Um, Unfortunately, now your time is up. Yeah, it was like you just hit 200 seconds. Oh, man. Are we done? We are done. Um, Okay. Oh, man. There was a lot that happened there. I'm sure we can bring this up in the post uh, discussion here. Um, Kev. First of all, there were two jokes. There were Uh, two. The 17-member audience was a shot. How dare you? It was well heard. Raph, what were you saying? Oh, okay. Uh, so are we going or not? We're, we're good on that. So we're going to stop you here for just a second. We're now going to discuss okay. what you were talking about. Kev, uh, what is your response to all of this? First of all, wow. The, for the, I feel bad for the 400th listener or whoever is Mr. or Mrs. 400 because that was fantastic. Not only did you call to arms – um, I but I love your solution. I will indeed. I just want to make sure I have this right. It's Bret Hart versus the Hitman, 92. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I know. I know, Raph. It's, he's all right. Um, it's uh, Bret Hart, Shawn yeah. Michaels, Thank you, Shawn Michaels. Yep. <laughs> he's got the patience of a teacher. You can hear it in his voice. Yep, yep I know. He's He's clearly not done as many episodes with you as, as I have <laughs> because my patience was golden once. Um, Sometimes Zach's... you got to check for understanding. 
<laughs> Good work. Zach, so where did you come up with this prompt? And of all things you could talk about, why this? Because it was told to me that you haven't given wrestling a chance. That is correct. You're factually accurate. I thought you made some compelling arguments. And you did it in a way that didn't feel overtly condescending, which was no, super helpful. It also felt like yeah. he was at a town hall meeting. It yeah. was a little too polished. It was it was a little beautiful in a in a speech written sort of way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Broke out the rhetoric on this. I almost tried to model myself after a cable news reporter. That's what I, the vibe I was going for. Felt. Oh yeah, you did. You did have some Olbermann. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, now. What's up? No, no, no. You go ahead. You finish your thought real quick. Well, so back to your point. Uh, Brett and Sean, as Raph can tell you, are the two guys who, like, more than anybody else, made everything, like, look and feel real. Okay. Yeah, so let me polish this one whole, off like, a little bit. All right, so, Kev, here's the thing. You know, there was, like, the age of your Andre the Giants, your Hulk Hogan's, these giant monsters. Yeah, I've seen Rocky Four. <laughs> it's actually Rocky Three that the Thank you. Hulk Rocky Hogan was in. Rocky Four is Ivan Drago, but God I understand what you're trying to say. No, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> so Hulk Hogan and all these people were so giant, and Vince McMahon is notorious for having a hard-on for like really big dudes. And uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were the first people who were kind of smaller guys, like average-sized big guys, that they said, oh, they can do athletic things and make really good and compelling stories. So... That was awesome. kind of what piqued my interest as a kid, and I'm sure for Zach, who, uh, for many, many philosophical different reasons, he and I are on opposing sides, uh, but we, we understand are. and respect each other. But here's the thing. When Kevin can't play along, it just makes it really boring. What do you mean? I mean for the fact that Kevin can't hold his own in a conversation about any of this. Like right now, he is slowly thinking of anything other than this conversation. <laughs> and? Hence, the call to arms. Correct. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about how many people, just because it's, first of all, it won't be the first time that someone's made a call to our social media arms for people to post wrestling links. Uh And people do, (laughs) like, furiously. The day Rap posted it, I had, like, 17 messages waiting when I got back to the Facebook. It was like, shit, okay, well, I'm watching. The real Um, one was when we posted the picture of... Me putting Kevin in a very finely tuned sharpshooter, and yeah, lots of people enjoyed that. And that's when Kevin goes, "Okay, there's something to this. Maybe you're not yeah. crazy." I was just well, shocked know, at the response. And I know how proud you are of your sharpshooter. So <laughs> I am especially you. proud of it because I like to think that in the rankings of who did it best, like under Brett and Owen, somewhere under there, me, Zach. What's your favorite? Um, Real pro wrestling move to do. <laughs> My real pro wrestling move. Well, Raph's going to think this is bullshit, but I always go back to the figure four. I think it hurts. Raph does doesn't it, see why it does, does but not. I'm right about this one. He's not. It does. Absolutely not, Kevin. I will I will demonstrate for you exactly what that is the next time we roll, and you'll look at me and go, what? <laughs> Can I ask this question? And I, this is based off of a summer I got into the NWO. Alrighty. Where is the power bomb on this list? Because to me, that seems like the ultimate shaming move if you're sure. ever going to like destroy someone. Sure. Here's the problem, though, Kev. I think all of us lived in a, an era, me, you, 
Zach, where we're not giant guys. Like, you can never effectively pull off a powerbomb. So I'd see guys do that and go, that's great. I'll powerbomb yeah. the shit out of my nephew on the trampoline. Yeah, exactly. Oh, You'll show him who's boss, all <laughs> 48 pounds. <laughs> well, Zach, we appreciate you coming on, and you're going to hang out for the Ultimate Fighter review and give us I am. an uncanned review of someone. He doesn't watch the show. Raph, you said it better off air. <laughs> Don't I always? <laughs> um, what I said is this. Look, it, I thought it was only fair if we gave him uninterrupted time to speak to us that we get him to sit on this uh, Ultimate Fighter review that we do. It's a, it's a segment. It's one of our most popular segments. And uh, I review episodes of The Ultimate Fighter. And even though you don't watch it, uh, hopefully you'll learn something. And if you do have questions, please ask them. I'm sure you'll have plenty after you hear it. Well, to make sure I have some perspective here, I, I did read somewhere that The Ultimate Fighter, like along with just you know, the business thing, is pretty responsible for just how big MMA has gotten. Would that be accurate? That is accurate. You did read Absolutely. that Wikipedia article entry very well. Well, you know. <laughs> Only because it cares, Raph. Only because it a, cares. What a devastating comeback. Kev, I'm all set whenever you are, my friend. It's He's really the nicest. He's I know he's quite is. good looking, too, for people uh, that can't see Zach. Uh, well, we'll post a picture from, well, coming from a former heartthrob of the forensics community, I appreciate that, Kev. That's right. <laughs> Heartthrob, Raph. Yeah, That's what guests call Let's put a <clears throat> stop to All this. right, ladies and gentlemen, this is a one-minute review of The Ultimate Fighter, and here we go. Previously on The Ultimate Fighter, a white bald dude named Spawn knocked out a fighter so bad it left Frankie Edgar speechless. And a black preacher man, Todd Monaghan, got a Hail Mary armbar to advance to the house. And BJ Penn won its first fight, and it pits white bald dude versus preacher man. The Ultimate Fighter, last week's winner, Cathal, goes up to Hector and asks, Hey, did you have a good time getting bait? And Hector threatens to shank him. Like a real Mexican would. Later, special <laughs> guest star, Master Henzo Gracie. Yes. No, no, no. I want you to walk that way. Then when you pull him, draw the elbow. Yes. Henzo on three. One, two, three. Henzo. Thank you, guys. Uh, PJ Penn is teaching the guys some first-class jiu-jitsu. So grab him here and then spin around like a helicopter. Like a breakdancer. And in true BJ form, he goes up to each fighter to have a competition to see who can be the most relaxed. Nah, bro, you gotta relax. Relax, bros. Back from commercial, Todd tells us he's a preacher and he's gonna speak the good word every Sunday morning. Uh Uh-oh. Things are going just fine until his sermon. Todd mentions that a higher power blessed him with a jaguar. Daniel Spoon decides to attend the sermon, not because he wants to hear it, but because he wants to get a closer look inside the head of his opponent. After the sermon, Cathal wonders if the preacher man's intentions are pure. Why are you going to brag about all that stuff and riches if you're a man of God? One person in the car calls him Judas. So that concludes this chapter of how much of the Bible the tough cast has read. During practice, Spawn hits Josh so hard he makes his hand go numb, and BJ loves it. And since Spawn was so impressive with his devastating knockout to get into the house, BJ says the game plan is to do something entirely different. Meanwhile, Todd says he may have gotten into the house with a submission, but that he's more of a striker at heart. Okay, cool. So both Daniel and Todd think they're better at the things that didn't get him in the house. Wonder if that's going to make for a great fight. Meanwhile, Team Penn secured some practice wrestling mats to use back at the Tough House, and Daniel decides to lead the most aggressive jazzercise class anyone has ever seen. As Team Edgar sits around having a nightcap, I'm sorry, Team E, Corey Anderson, the vaguely Kanye West-looking dude, can't help but ask, 
does Todd have a plan just in case he gets into trouble and worse yet, loses? But don't worry, guys. Todd hasn't bothered to consider losing because that's not even a possibility. Hashtag foreshadowing. And it's talking head todd lets us know that he hates sissies cool glad we spent time hearing about that meanwhile on the day of the fight bj couldn't be more happy that todd is yelling and screaming over in the other room because daniel is as calm as can be just the way bj likes it but as mark coleman reminds daniel on his way to the octagon he's a beast and daniel doesn't know a lot about todd but he knows he can break him dana bot 3000 shows up to let us know hey you Fucking fighters, two rounds, drink Nas, drink Nas. Round one, they size each other up. Daniel gets a stiff left hand that staggers Todd down a bit and takes him to the ground. And that's pretty much the whole fight. Despite repeated pleas from Henzo and Frankie, remember the Mount Escaper. You got a bridge, buddy. And BJ's so worried about conservation, he's using Coleman to yell out his coaching instructions. Tell him to use a knee. Hey, dickhead, use a fucking knee. Round two, side control, takedown, and they're back up for a while, and then side control, and rinse and repeat all day. This is a pretty boring fight. So boring that not even the ref cares that Todd is clearly grabbing the fence to get back up. Oh my god, I just realized. Frankie Edgar is basically DJ Polly D. Only his version of cabs are here is bridge escape, bridge escape. Oh no, it's Dana Vision time, and he has his not-so-happy face on. This fight is fucking worthless. There's nothing the ref can even fucking do about it. You can tell he stopped paying attention to the fight and that he's just daydreaming of where he wants his private jet to take him later on today. Post-fight, Dana White. Spawn hurt Todd with this one punch, then decided to fucking wrestle, which is fucking genius. No punches, no kicks, this fucking kid. Then you've got Monahan, who's got Hanzo and Frankie, world-class athlete coaches, yelling out instruction. He's not doing a goddamn thing about it. Back in the cage, Dana White. All three judges score this fight fucking boring. You can go on to the next round, Spawn, and I'm on a fucking jet to anywhere fucking else. Post-fight, Daniel says he liked the way he fought, and Todd says, quasi-passive-aggressively, that it was his fault he prepared for what should have been a stand-up fight instead of some mixed martial arts kind of fight. But that's on him. Clearly. All his fault. Not anyone else's fault. All him. BJ picks the next fight, Diego versus Tim, and everyone seems to be excited for this one, especially Dana. It's impossible to suck as much as Todd versus fucking Daniel. So yeah, I'm excited. Next time on The Ultimate Fighter. Yep, Todd's still angry about not having a stand-up fight. Must be all those pussies in the world he was talking about. Making life worse. Matt Van Buren says some nonsense. Then Tim takes on Diego in a battle of fighters people actually want to see. Next time on The Ultimate Fighter. Rafa Sparza. Woo! How about that? Zach, you do yes, not sir. watch the show. I do not. But now you've heard that. What are your interpretations of the show Raph just reviewed? Well, really, I just have a lot of questions now. Okay. Um, Shoot. One is, you can't grab the fence to get up? No. Huh. You just got to do it on your own power. All right. Uh, second, no, 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 so it's saying... a safety thing. You're in fingerless gloves. Or, okay. I don't know how to say that. So if you like, um, if you get your fingers caught in the fence, yeah, you're in some trouble. Okay, interesting. It's so, also uh, not fair if you're doing yeah. If you're yeah. doing a if you're doing jujitsu and you're on the ground and you have some guy kind of using it, it's kind of like think of it like a rope break that's not allowed. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so amenable. Yes. Next question. <laughs> Next question. So you're telling me Ken Shamrock is no longer on the show, right? Yeah. No. He's, he's not, not on, on the show, show anymore. <laughs> How long ago was that? Uh, <laughs> 15, 17 seasons, give or take. 
He was on oh season. How many seasons are we on? We're on Tough 20. 19. Oh, my gosh. Is it still on Spike TV? No. Uh, no. These <laughs> I love no, we're going to have to copyright edit that out of the show, Zach. You, Thank you very much. Okay. No. Asking questions that you would ask your TV guide as it slowly moves <laughs> yeah. up. It's like, you go read what? a description. And then we'll, uh, I do have a quick note, Raph. I'm sorry. It was one minute, seven seconds. Oh, damn it. I know. No. I just, you've been so good about being right at a minute, but mm-hmm. that time you just missed. A second longer. Yeah, it must have been. You know, I mean, I like to think it's all the pussies in the world that made me go a little bit over. <laughs> hey, did Dana really say, because I can never tell from your interpretations, did he really say all three judges scored this fucking boring? No, they did not. But <laughs> oh, you God, could yeah. feel it off of him. <laughs> oh, God, that was uh, that was the best. That's the best thing you've ever said, I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, well written. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of your Dana White uh, interpretation as well. Thank you. Hey, Zach, as a non-MMA person, what do you think of Dana White? Do you think he's evil? Do you think he's fine? Do you know anything about him? I mean, he's just a guy who, I mean, from the outsider's perspective, he just seems like a guy who wants to beat like Vince McMahon at his own game, which I'm cool with. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> That's. Uh, I just wonder if other people even know about him outside of what, out of sight of MMA. Raph, do you believe the next fight will be more interesting in the Ultimate Fighter house? Considering I've seen it, yes. Oh, okay. I actually had time to look at it, but I didn't have enough time to write it up. Plus, we got too many things going on, and we'll we'll get to it next week. I'll actually, I'm excited to talk with you guys about next week's fight. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm gonna. We've got a guest coming on that we're really excited about. And don't say Zach, that to the guest were, that we currently have on. We no, were excited. No, no, no. Zach's our friend. Too. Zach and I have known each other for ten years. That's why I was about to do. A, we're gonna do a Zach sign off. Zach, we're going to give you a chance. You're coaching high school right now because you should be, and you're teaching, obviously. I am. Um, talk to us about where you're coaching and your team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas, greatest city in the world, and I uh, currently teach at a school called Pflugerville High School. That is spelled with a P-F, Pflugerville. People get the perfect stuff. Uh, I am coaching uh, all adults, all types, uh, your limited preparation, your interp, your written speech, uh, our team is about 35 strong right now. We are growing. I'm still pretty new to the game, but acclimating pretty well. And the kids love what they're doing, and that's really all you can ask for. Uh, and it's been, I mean, next to the mere fact that speech happened in my life, one of the best experiences I've ever had, for sure. That's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, and I was Zach, saying I'm excited he's responsible for young lives. Yeah, it's true. He's a good guy. And, Zach, I do have to ask this. What – uh, piece of advice can you have to people for being those like milestone people on our social media, aka the 300th fan on Facebook or maybe our 2000th follower on Twitter? What do you have to say, like, in terms of encouragement of getting them on to do that? Encouragement? Yep. Um, make it count. You get on that show, um, give people what they want. <laughs> you did and you definitely did that so what we'll or, do is deliver or just go on the show and say meeting with things like I just did so it's okay <laughs> you, what you said had a real heart to it I felt it's how you said it it's true yeah. and what we're gonna do is we will follow up with you uh, after we get Kevin to watch that match so we'll bring you back on and talk about it 
Well, and then Kevin's going to do his part, I assume, right? Give me a fight. You're damn right. I'm actually already excited. I am racking my brain. Thank God we have Fight Pass. Yep. Cool. That's all I could think. That's And that <laughs> segment's brought to you by Fight Pass for the UFC. Gripping radio. Uh, gripping radio. Oh, gripping up. radio. Zach, thank you so much for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. 200, Zach Calhoun. Enjoy it, guys. Have a good one. Coffee bag. <laughs> I can't think. Well, t- then you're in Kevin's level, so it's okay. Yeah, good. That's awesome because that's where I stick. That's where I stay. Yeah. All right, verbal tap fans. I'm flipping record on this bitch. Raph, you've outdone yourself. You brought us. I don't know if he created the jujitsu internet. I'm not clear on that. <laughs> I know he pioneered it. Whatever yes. that is. We have Kit Dale of KitDaleBJJ.com, but let's face it, you know who he is. Kit, how are you doing? It's this morning for you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired, but the uh, coffee's starting to sink in, so my uh, my thinking juice is starting to work. It's magic. How are you guys? <laughs> thinking juice is probably a good t-shirt idea just in the future. That's not <laughs> uh, we're doing well. We're excited to have you on the podcast. Man, excited when- to be on. When did you become internet famous in BJJ? Do you think it's the mustache? Do you think the mustache is what started it? Um, I, I definitely think it was a bit of a driving force. I think my good looks was probably the main one. Mm. Um, no, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I speak too much shit, so it ends up getting people's attention eventually. I'm adding the accent. I think the accent helps. Mm. Yeah, Big I think time. so. Mm-hmm. Most of my fans are from America. Um, I always have a look at my analytics and everything, mm-hmm. and it's always like America, America, which is cool. Why do you think that you connect so well with Americans? Um, I don't know. I guess it could be broken down in a few things, but for me, it's just by luck because you know what you see is what you get. I just I'm pretty much just being myself on most of my cameras and all that kind of stuff. Um, I write what I think, you know, what I feel. And I think I'm just lucky that, you know, uh, the Americans sort of like that. I think it's, it's a little bit different in Australia because I'm just kind of like, I'm being like most Australians, but Australians have like a different view on sort of like the way people do things and the way people are than what Americans do. Um, I won't get right into it, but uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely helped for the American market, which is awesome because I love America. Yeah. We're li- we like loud people that tend to just shout controversial opinions or non-controversial <laughs> as long as it's sarcastic. We love yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing. And I think Australians are sort of the opposite. The Australians like don't like anyone stepping outside and like anyone that starts you know, being controversial or getting some attention, they kind of want to chop you down. So uh, that's why I like the Americans so much better. You get a, more opportunity to do what you want and say what you want. Now I like that you're you're being so nice and pleasant to us, but we have like really rough business we have to get to like right Super up pissed. top. Super Beyond pissed. pissed. This I don't think I've ever been madder at a guest that we've brought on. So let's get straight into it. You want to start a podcast? Question the first. Why do you hate us? What did we do to you, Kit? Like, did we do something personal? Was it? You guys motivated me, man. I listened to your that, stuff all no, the time, and you know, no. it got me <laughs> no. excited. I was like, you know what? I want to talk too. When, when's it my turn to talk? 
Yeah, but you know, the, the world only has so much room for funny people in jiu-jitsu. And, like, you've already won all of the threads and all of the comments. All of and them. All of the gifts. It's, all of them. We're not looking for, like, 5% of the market. No. We're looking for 1% of the market. 1%. And so now, just for funsies, you're like, I guess I'm going to take away these guys' uh, listenership now. So fuck <laughs> these guys. So why? Why do you want to start a podcast? Man, I've got like so much shit on my head all the time that I was like, I need to put it somewhere. And I hate writing. I'm a terrible writer. And uh, I was like, fuck it, man. These guys do. It's like so cool listening to you guys and all the other guys in the podcast. I'm like, man, I might as well do one in Australia and just speak shit all the time. And get whoever I can on there and just co- cause controversial shit and... Uh, <laughs> You know, make people uh, really like my whole goal with that is like just to change the way, you know, reevaluate the way people think and look at things in jiu-jitsu. So it should be really fun, man. I can't wait. Now, like your various social medias, because I saw people have been sort of attacking you a little bit, just uh, some haters. Why do you force them to watch your stuff? Like, why are you forcing people to follow you on Twitter, follow you on Facebook, watch your videos? (laughs) Comment on your pictures. Like, why don't you just let them make it's their own decisions? It's super aggressive, I like, think. Why are you forcing them to do it? <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, um, most of the, yeah, I get a lot of hate for what I do and stuff. And it's like, most of the people that are hating on what I'm talking about don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, every <laughs> single time, like, I guess, if I ever get someone that's like really hating them, I'll inbox them and I'll start talking to them. I say, listen, let's, let's discuss this, like, uh, like men. And always they end up changing their opinion. And it's because they have no idea what I'm actually talking about. They're just like, you know, like they've got their reality set and they do things a certain way. And then you come in and you say, listen, this is possibly a better way. And they're just like, oh, no, I I fucking hate you. No, it's not. No, it's not. Before even listening to what you're saying, like they don't even want to know. They just want to fight you and just prove you're wrong. But they have no idea what I'm talking about. So it never works. Um, And for me, it's like I'm not doing – I don't do it because I think I'm uh, right or, you know, if I've got, like, more information than anyone else, I'm doing it because I'm trying to find a better way to do things. I'm, like, a super lazy guy and I'm going to try and find the easiest way to do anything. And I don't think there's anyone else that's putting as much time and effort in studying, like, ways of learning, for especially for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, than what I am because I don't think there's anyone that's actually lazier than me. Um so every time I get into an argument, I've got so much more information, facts to back it up than what anyone else has. And I just get the same old, like, the same old people saying the same shit. And it's like, like with my drilling and anti-drilling thing, it's like all the top teams are drilling, you know, Atos won, they're drillers and all this. And it's like, yeah, all the top teams won that were drilling, but also the top teams that were drilling lost as well because all the top teams drill. So you've got like this whole monopoly of like all the top teams are doing it, yet only one of them is winning it and they've been doing it for a long time. So it makes no sense to sit there and argue about the same stupid facts that make, you know, they're just, they're just fugazi. Do you feel though that when people are yelling at you and they're just telling you, well, come on, man, I drill all the time. Do you feel they're just projecting upon you that they're just trying to like, do you think that they're going to, they really feel they're going to try and change your mind? I don't know. I don't know if they just want to get their name and their voice read or heard, whatever, um, or they they honestly believe it. The thing is, like with jujitsu, especially every club, like 
every club students like they worship their instructor and whatever their instructor says it's just like taken oh. as if it was you know yeah. yeah so you know a lot of these guys are just minions from their their coach and stuff and look i understand a lot of people like whether these top guys believe it and i speak to a lot of the top guys and whether they you know are really honest to their students or whether they're selling a product there's two different things so a lot of these students are getting confused with you know what these top level athletes say they're doing and what they're actually doing and there's a difference and when you when money and business comes into it and you're selling a product then you really can't trust what's being said unless you're there watching it for your own eyes um and that's what a lot of these new guys don't understand and um, like they'll come up and they'll say, you know, so-and-so does this and so-and-so says this and stuff. And I'll go, yeah, but so-and-so is also selling a book that says to do that. So you're kind of going, <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah. look, technique. Is this a good time to mention our DVD set though? Yeah, coming, coming out. out. It's 51 Ways to Choke from the Mount with a sarcastic right. quip. Look for it this mm. summer. Oh, yeah. Stoked. Sorry, that no, was our don't. quick plug. You're going to cut me off just... with that. You better send me one for free now. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm actually, now you've piqued my interest. My jujitsu nerd is starting to go off. Um, and this is a good way of saying you also are helping open a school in a new school in Melbourne. Yes. Yes. I just, uh, I just opened it five weeks ago in a really nice area in uh, South Yarra. It's called infinity BJJ South Yarra slash Kitdale BJJ. So it's, uh, it's my school. We're under like a franchise name and stuff. So, um, but it's in a really nice area, really cool, professional place. Um, and yeah, we're, we're loving it already. So far, we've got a lot of students that have come across from different areas that will want, you know, want to get together and really want to push the competition jujitsu and, um, you know, try and figure out the most effective way to learn jujitsu. So it's, it's been really exciting for me because I've spent the last year out on my own with, uh, white belts and a couple blue belts that I've been training with in a different area. So now that I'm in a closer, more central area, a lot of the better guys that are serious about competition have been able to come over and get together. So this will uh, make it oh, a lot easier awesome. for me for competition uh, in the future. So what I was going to ask is, because you teach, take me through, because I'm blessed. I'm in a gym that really likes a lot of different takes. Take me through what a class okay. is like, because you, you kind of don't do necessarily the drilling side, but just tell me what your, what's the kit doing. Okay, my format at the moment, and it's broken up into like monthly things. So um, what I'll tell you what I do, and I'll tell you the reason behind it. Okay, so we start off, we do a quick warm-up. Okay, and then what we're going to do is we're going to go into a position. I'll get them, and this is more the advanced class, okay, because most of my guys are a bit more advanced now. I'll get them to start in a position, let's say lasso guard, okay, and the person on top just has to pass. The person underneath can sweep or submit them, okay, so I'll get them to do it for about 20 minutes, swap over, change partners a few times. Then we come in and we do a big, like a quick Q&A. So we talk about what problems people are having, uh, you know, any, any issues we want to work. We'll talk about it. We'll give them, you know, a five-minute like five break as well while we're talking about these things. And usually we come up with some really cool questions, which is um, not just good for them but good for me as well because I get to really understand the position. And, I, and then we'll go back and we'll change position and we'll go into something else. So we'll completely leave that position. Once we've done that, we leave that, right? Then we go to a different position. Let's say we're starting in spider guard. And it's a neutral position. You've got grips on the legs. They've got grips on your hands. We start from there. Your goal is to pass. Their goal is to sweep uh, or submit. We do that for 20 minutes. Then we come in again, and then we have another Q&A. And then we drop that. Once we finish that, we go into, I call it uninitiated specific training, which is we start with uh, the guys lining up against the wall, 
and there'll be like five guys uh, on the mat, right? And the guys on the mat, their goal is to sweep or submit whoever comes off the wall. And uh, the guys on the wall have to pass the guard. But we start uninitiated, so they really get comfortable with initiating grips and initiating guard. So they do that for about 20 minutes. Then we have a Q&A after that, and then we go on to the, the rounds of rolling and stuff. Uh, that's generally how we run a class at nighttime. Now, the reason why I only do 20 minutes on a certain topic and then I don't come back for two weeks is because I've been doing a lot of research lately about like the one thing people don't take into account, which is memory retention for a technique or a movement. So it's like it's cool like learning a memory and being able to do it like at the moment, but how much is, uh, of that technique uh, is your your brain going to retain, you know what I mean? How much memory are you going to retain over a four-week period? And they found that by doing mass training, which I used to do a while back, which is like say I do a whole segment on guard passing like or you know maybe one area and I really nut it out, you would get like a quick like one-week spike of that. So it's good if you had like an exam or something afterwards. So if you spend so much energy in that week doing that one topic, you're going to have a spike for a week. What you find is over the four weeks is you have a huge like drop in memory retention almost further than what you would have done if you only spent 20 minutes on that instead of three hours. So what I do is I, I do the 20 minutes and I give themselves a week or two to be able to really attain all that information. And then when we come back to that two weeks later, it's almost like they've had time to absorb all that information and we can go step up, step up, step up. If you look at like the, uh, the memory as like a glass of water, and it's like a small glass like this, okay? And you fill it up and it may take 20 minutes to fill that up. When you keep filling that with information and doing like, like long things, you find that you like you get confused and you almost forget everything you learn. So it's like the water just keeps pouring out and it'll pour out into an area that's going to last for maybe one week and then it'll like a short-term memory bank and then it'll fall off. So after the four weeks, you're left with only that 20 minutes worth of training. So to be more um, energy efficient, for your training we're trying to like really make sure that we 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 and we're experimenting with it at the moment to see how we go but we're making sure that we just get it to the point where they retain that information for the long term and we don't waste any more time on that then we go to a different segment different segment different segment otherwise you'll find that like you'll spend so much time you spend three hours worth on a, like a position and like they do in seminars and then you only end up remembering 15 minutes of it so what was the point of that other two and a half hours you know two two hours and three five minutes so that's basically what we we do during the night during the competition class in the day is just rounds of rolling so the whole idea is the day is to to yeah. see where you're at to go hard to um and then to, at the night then we try and nut out the problems and stuff so if anyone's got any individual problems they can ask me during the q and a's as well it doesn't have to be specific on that area but we try and yeah, get them to practice what they you know what they want to work on. Remember what didn't work, and then at night time we sort of fix that up. Wow, Kit, I really wish that you had a better answer for all these internet trolls. Just jeez, <laughs> yeah, no shit. It sounds like What's you're just half-ass making shit up when you're just like, I don't drill, but whatever. Man, it was like it was a <laughs> yeah. huge coincidence that I kind of stumbled upon these things. I'm not sure if you guys like know like my story towards black belt but i got my black belt fairly quick it was just over four years plus i was playing football working and i wasn't training that much and even when i wasn't training i wasn't training that much so it was like a huge coincidence that i stumbled upon it and whether it was because i was lazy one or the the right environment that sort of harbored this training but basically like i was training probably never more than six times a week 
And when I was at training, I wasn't doing any techniques. All I was doing was rolling. But I would spend maybe 15 minutes rolling with somebody and then I'd spend like 15 minutes talking to somebody on the side of the mat and then we'd roll for another 15 because the classes used to go for two and a half hours. But it was just like a big get-together and stuff. So we would just like roll 15 minutes, chill out 15 minutes, try and find someone else to roll for 15 minutes and chill out. And it, it was kind of like it worked really well because it, it gave my brain enough time to retain all the, the information that we were, um, that I was learning while rolling. And it also forced me to try and find the answers myself because I enjoyed the problem-solving aspect of it and I didn't trust the teacher's opinion at the time as well. I do have two notes for this. One, uh, you have a very similar path to Black Belt Laz, our good friend Nick Gregor Artis, and he speaks about this. And the thing I liked for both of you is we had people who were on the internet attacking both of you guys for getting it so quickly and thinking that that just glossed over things. Well, that doesn't sound like the case. No, no, it's different. It's it's a different. I always explain to people is like. And I'm writing something, and I've actually written some at the moment, but I haven't uh, published it. I'm actually going to do a video of it at the moment. And it talks about like two different paths you can take in jiu-jitsu, in my opinion. And you can try and take like the middle ground, but you're really going to limit both, you know, both um, pros and cons of both. So if you've got like you've got your, like your drillers, okay, your heavy drillers, and then you've got like your free rollers, I call them, okay, which are like your problem solvers. If you give me, if you gave me two different students, if you said, Kit, here's a here's a student, right? He's not very bright. He can't, he's not really good with problem solving, but he's like a super athlete. He'll train three or four times a day. Uh, he's going to do everything you say, work really hard. Um, then I would say, okay, yeah, Halfway I would there. say, listen, let's, let's get him drilling, okay? Because he's not a thinker. He's not going like, to want to problem solve and work things out himself. He's like a doer. Let's give him all the answers, give him the drilling. We're going to give him a, like a specific set. Like depends on what type of body type he is, but I'm going to give him a specific like set of techniques that he's going to master, and he's going to like he's going to become the specialist. So he's going to go out there and like like the um, it would say like the DJ Jacksons um, or the Meow Brothers. Okay, so guys that work really hard, they train really hard, um, and they are like they're competition specialists. So they work in one particular area. Like you see the Meow Brothers, like especially Paulo, and like you know what you're going to get. And but for the amount of work he does, and like he trains four to five times a day, he drills a lot, he rolls a lot. They've been training for a long time, and they are working one particular part of the game that is fairly new that not a lot of people know. So you've got like that type of grappler, okay? And then you've got the other side, which is what I call like you bring me the guy that's the guy that says he's like super lazy, and like they go, okay, he's another student. This guy's like really lazy. But he's really intelligent. Okay, he's uh, he can you know he can like he's a good problem solver. He likes to work things out on his own, but lazy. Okay, he's unmotivated. Then I would take him down the path of what I call the free rolls, which is the way I'm teaching at the moment. Because if you give him all the drills and try and get him fit and stuff, he's going to become unmotivated, most likely quit. They don't like being pushed. But if you can start giving him the uh, the principles and like the concepts, like the underlying principles for jiu-jitsu and let him develop his own game through rolling, through trial and error and just guiding him, then he's most likely going to find the motivation through that and become like uh, his jiu-jitsu will end up becoming his own style and an honest, honest expression of himself, which would be a lot more interesting for that type of person that likes that chess game of jiu-jitsu, not so much 
you know, coming in to enforce like uh, his will upon opponents, but to come in there and strategize and beat him. That's like mm-hmm. what someone that is like like an intelligent person would find really interesting about jiu-jitsu is that problem-solving aspect, coming in against a different guy, picking a, a, a solution for that guy to defeat him, you know, a different solution that's tailored for that guy, like, you know, a strategist instead of a specialist. So, like, I, I think you've got like those two paths but a lot of people, they seem to sit there in the middle and say, oh, no, I can do both of that. But you're kind of taken away from one another and you're going to f- probably float in the middle of it. So you've got one side, which is the strategist, which is going to ta- – no, sorry, the specialist, which is going to take a long time. That's like a lot of work, a lot of hard you – know, a lot of hard work, a lot of hours for one small part of jiu-jitsu. And you've got the other side, which is a specialist, which is – no, sorry, which is a strategist, which is – a lot less time on the mat, a lot less work, but a lot more thinking. Mm. So for the amount of energy they expend physically, this this type is going to expend mentally. So Weird. Where do I hear that phrase used? That's so weird. Not using, using your energy more efficiently. It sounds like something I've heard before. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying here, though, is, is two, and I think we do have to stop calling you lazy. Because I don't yeah, think I don't anybody's think buying that. Four years, no. you get your black belt? No, you don't get lazy. <laughs> Be like, I'm you so lazy. I've got all of this deep philosophy on how this is going to work. But, ugh, naps. Hmm. You'd be surprised. Quick note to the kids: <laughs> strategist and specialist goes for the same with your sexual mm, performance. So he's not just talking about jujitsu. It can work for both. So either learn a specialty or problem solving. I'm just that's just a Where PSA. Where do you think I learned it? Where do you think I learned it? <laughs> <laughs> so all the <laughs> vigorous note taking this is interesting i had not heard your your developed side of this i had only saw what was sort of social media snippets of like kit deals against drilling and it's like well no that's not accurate i mean i guess yeah but you've got a plan about it like it's a different style of really the hardest thing is to try and like articulate all the information that I have, and uh, especially on social media, I could spend a fucking whole day doing a fucking TED Talks thing on there, and then maybe if everyone <laughs> watched do. that, then they would uh, understand. But it's it's really difficult for me to to convey my message uh, on there without causing a little controversy. Because if I say something that's not controversial, no one's going to listen to it one, and it'll just go over everyone's head. So I got to sort of be a little bit against it. But I'm not really against it. But I just say that because people watch it and they argue it, and then eventually they're gonna you know, see what I'm saying. But the whole point is, it's not whether I'm right or wrong. It is just to like, whether I am right or wrong, it's going to force people to open their mind about these kind of things and eventually find a better way, whether my way is better or whether some other guy's way is better or whether Andre Galval's drill to win is better. Who knows? We're only going to find out if we are like willing to open our mind and, you know, study that kind of stuff. So regardless of whether what I push is right or wrong, my goal is for it to eventually someone's going to find, you know, it'll find a way itself, you know what I mean? Otherwise, if you're not looking for it, you know, you're never going to find it. That whole saying, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, is like shit because just because we've been doing something for a little while doesn't mean it's the right way. You know what I mean? There's and I always ask, a better way. And I want to open this up to maybe just outside the drilling, but what has been the most surprising reaction that you've gotten uh, through it being social media or just from something that you've put out there that you were just like, that's weird. I didn't expect I would get that kind of a response. Uh, definitely some of my videos that I put up there. Like I did a video. It was um, it was called Black Belt, Black Belt Show Student Who's Boss. 
and I've got this uh, really tall student, and he's six foot ten, uh, big Bosnian guy. And uh, I was talking to him, and as I'm talking, I'm like leaned up like this. I thought, man, I got to do a skit where like it looks like I'm bigger than this guy, and then he stands up. And so like we just did like a one-off take, and I said, listen, come here, just say this guy's like beating our students up. You stay down, and when I come over, I want you to stand up, and I'll we'll just play it from there. And so, like, yeah, he's like, one of my students comes up and goes, oh, check out this guy. He's, he's beating up all our students. They're going to leave. And I said, oh, do you want me, should I show him, you know, who's boss, the black belt, who's boss? And so I go up there and I'm like, uh, you want to roll? You want to roll the black belt? Let's go, let's go. And he stands up and he's really tall. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can roll. My shoulder's sore, so I roll it next week. And I shake his hand and walk off. <laughs> I thought maybe it's going to get 100 likes. That thing got, like, blown right out. And, uh, like, it went viral and everyone ripped it and shared it. And my, my YouTube one had, like, it. over a million views on that thing. And, you know, I was like, wow, that got a lot of attention. Jesus. So a lot of people took it really seriously too. So and that was, like, there was two videos I've done or three videos I've done that have gotten, yeah, like, that much attention. I'm just like, wow, I did not expect that. <laughs> was but, there... That's you great. Go ahead, Rip. Oh, I was going to ask. We've seen a little bit of, speaking of the attention, you and Keenan have some sort of online joke battle going on yeah, right man, now. Yeah, man. Like, he, um, no, Keenan's cool. I, it's a real Zoolander yeah, no, moment. I, I get along with him well. He's a cool guy. And, like, I got a lot of respect for his jiu-jitsu. He's phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, like, we just take the piss out of each other. Um, <laughs> he did a video of me after I didn't compete at the Pan Ams. He did a video where he was like wearing uh, some kind of, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about, some kind of knitted mm. shit as a beard. And it was pretty funny. So I was like, okay, that's cool, it's cool, but I'm going to get you back and I'm going to get you a lot better than what you got me. So I had a few things planned, but it's very hard. Like I had a few things where I was acting as Keenan, but it's really hard when you've got like a big ass beard in the way and no hair. So when you look like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I had a couple other things planned and we just thought, okay, we'll do that. Since Kevin Casey was giving it to him so much about that. Um, oh my and god! It was more. The butt scoot was so funny. Just the, yeah. the street jujitsu, so perfect, so well done. Ah, oh, yeah. I just had to say it. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That was that was another one. I was surprised that I think it had over a hundred thousand views on YouTube. Um, and that was another one I was surprised by. But yeah, like yeah, he uh, he said some funny shit about me. It was it was really funny. So I thought that was cool. But I'm gonna get you back. I'm gonna get you good because I always get him good. So. It's just a bit of fun, man. I, I mean, we you are fans of it because you're making the sport feel fun when you guys do that. Absolutely. And you guys both yeah. have such a great sense of humor that as people who watch this stuff, when we see you guys doing that and having fun, it makes all of those other stories that you hear about people confronting other people, people going up to other gyms and stuff like that. It makes it so much more like relaxed and there. I do want to ask, though, as you are doing those videos, you know, how much thought goes into making one of those videos when you are putting them together? Man, those videos are like 30 seconds of thought and let's do this. Like, <laughs> God damn it. A lot, of my, a lot of my inspiration comes from objects or things I see. So, like, if I want to do something funny, like, I'll usually walk around the house and just look at everything and I'll try and think of something funny I can do with an object. That's, like, how most of my comedy is or it's, um, it's like, on the spot. So, it's, like, witty comebacks or something like that. My brother, on the other hand, who who's the other half of Dale Bros uh, TV, he's a little bit more methodical about his comedy. He's just scripted. He's a section out. He understands what comedy is on a fundamental level. You know, I'm like, 
I'm like the driller of comedy. He's like the conceptual learner of that side of me. He understands what that is. So Works everywhere. Look at this man. <laughs> that's that's a that's a great callback. <laughs> so and yeah, for me, it's just it comes fairly natural. So I just I just do it. And I, we come from a family that's always uh, has been bagging each other since a young age. Like I used to dread going to family functions because I knew as I'm walking <laughs> up, my cousins are going to say something really funny, and like I would hate it and I get really embarrassed. But like. It, it made you like one, you're tough skinned, and two, that you get used to having witty comebacks because you needed to be. Otherwise, you're just going to get drilled by your own family all the time. Mm. It's survival. survival of the fittest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which you'll learn on a podcast mm-hmm. when you quickly start to hate your. Is it? Do you really want this? <laughs> yeah. You want to hate your co host? You want to bring on guests that you find interesting, but frankly, a little too with their, oh, I just came up with this million hit video in 30 seconds. That's what you want, Kit? <laughs> my, first, I'm, my first, like the first person I want to interview is actually a hobo. That's uh, that's where I'm at. I don't even know what I'm doing, man. I'm just going to get a hobo on there and try and find out how he ended up where he is, because there's a lot of hobos where I, where I train on the street. I'd love to. I'd be really interested. And somehow Kit and a hobo is going to get <laughs> one million hits, so we're going to be like, yeah. God damn it. Kit, <laughs> it's just him and a homeless person. That's all it is. And people are going to be like, yeah, that's great. It's Dale and a homeless person. Just like, go fuck. Week it. After, every podcast is going to have a homeless person in there. It'll be, it'll, it'll grow. <laughs> and they won't I be homeless say, anymore. I'm, I'm always, as a producer, very interested to hear direction for the show. So talk to me. Do you have a, do you have an idea? Do you have a format? Do you have some must have guests that we could expect from your podcast? A name? Um, man, I really want to interview just the really interesting, fun people. Um, I don't have like a complete direction on where I want to go. It's just kind of like, you know, something I want to start because I have a lot of time on my hands. Um, and I always want to do things and like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, there's a lot of ventures I sort of want to do at the moment. Um, like I got a new DVD coming out with Nick Gregoriatis, um, uh, there's possibly some new competitions in Australia that I'm going to be running and a few other things. Awesome. So this podcast will be just like cool. And, um, you know, I just like, I like conversing with people. I like talking about interesting topics. And I think uh, a podcast would be a really good, um, a really good avenue to be able to do that and to be able to, you know, interview interesting people, man, and just make it, you know, really fun, awkward. And, uh, yeah, I just think it'd be fun, man. I, I like talking on these things. Because so here's it. the thing, and I don't know if you know this about yourself, but you're interesting. Kevin and I are not very interesting. So when the host is too it, interesting Brilliant. and more interesting than the guests, things get a little hairy. So keep yeah. that in mind. This is just years of experience of interviewing people. And I hope you have backup plans. Like if there's a – if I can give some advice here. If there's an interview that starts going south – very quickly figure out demonstrations you can be doing, have built-in impressions that you need to do. So if, if a guest is yeah. taking, and I've, I've heard you're an old Schwarzenegger, and I think it's quite exceptional, um, have that ready to good. go. Start yeah. interviewing. Like that. These are just small tips that I think will help improve. Because Kevin and I will be very forthcoming and say, sometimes as an interviewer too, doesn't quite go the way we want it to. Yeah, yeah. No. No, no they nope. don't always chirp up. Sometimes they do. Sometimes this job is not as sexy as advertised. So the, these I, yeah, are our, our concerns for you that, you know, you're an interesting guy. You're funny. We think it'd be a great podcast. We're a little, a little jealous. But 
Uh, these are the things that we want to pass on. We're, We're nervous. super it's nervous. Be a yeah, great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nervous is the right word. So maybe reassure us. How can we both coexist in this world of funny in the jujitsu world? Man, there's always room for anything. Man, I, I think I think what you'll find is the our podcast is going to be so weird and different that it's not going to affect <laughs> anyone else's. Uh, yeah, I'm planning on getting pretty freaky with it. You know. The sky's the limit. I don't want to. It's not going to be like just judicial limited. It's going to be very well rounded, actually. Um, but awesome. yeah, the, the whole thing is the whole thing is entertainment. So whatever we can find that's entertaining, that's what we're going to do. So it's not going to be the particular like jujitsu, like diehard jujitsu guys that are going to be like right into it. I don't think it'll be more the guys that are just bored in the car and want to listen to some weird shit, and uh, we'll have something. And I also want like I want it to be controversial. That's- I want to be able to have like. I really do want an avenue for a lot of my arguments and stuff because uh, I enjoy debates and um, I prepare well for them. So I like uh, I like having those. So if anyone wants to debate on any subject that I'm talking about, like it'd be awesome avenue to have it on that. I think it's a good idea. We have to have them in our next jujitsu preview series. Yeah, I think that'd be a good note. <laughs> Not to make him too nervous, but I will wipe the floor with anyone in a public yes. debate. He yes. won't. He, he really won't. Don't let the blonde hair fool this you. Is, I'm more than just these this blue is eyes. sad because I like that you're giving credit to yourself while also... I'm just a, a, naming attributes, too. I'm not even... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny part about it is is that when Kevin and I are putting together these things, we love doing it, and we I think we're bound by that same passion of do something different. Do something that people don't hear, that they're not used to. So when you're putting this all together, um, do you feel like – is there a show that you listen to that you're like, I would like to emulate that show? Or is there something like that? It doesn't have to be jiu-jitsu related. To be honest, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I wish I did. I wish I spent more time. Um, but the, on the, the high end of things, I really like the Joe Rogan uh, experience, uh, depending on who he's got on there. Absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah. His is a little guest Yeah, dependent. Yeah, I like – and we depend yeah. on But honestly, I only think I ever really listened to one of his podcasts all the way through, which was um, the one where he had, uh, I think it was Dr. Richard Greer, where he was talking about the aliens and UFOs. Uh, and like, I love it. Like, UFOs, conspiracies, uh, ancient, ancient aliens, all that kind of shit I, I, I really enjoy. So, yeah. yeah, it's cool. <laughs> so, like, that kind of stuff is. I'm all yeah, in. That's what I like. So, those are the kind of things that we're going to talk about a lot. And um, so his are probably more similar to where I sort of want to go uh, than most others that I've heard um, off the top of my head. But like, be honest with you, I haven't, I don't listen to much podcasts. I wish I did, but uh, I do, it's very hard for me to sort of say. We're just sort of going to go with it and see where it goes. Like uh, the Kit Dale walkabout. Impossible. Have we? Are we? Have we worked on a title yet? I'm just throwing it. That's the one Australian term I know. The walkabout. Sorry. That's cool. Ideal. That's cool. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I uh, I think we we, we liked um, like there's like uh, my co-host is Mikhail and it was uh, we're gonna be like Kit Dale and Mikhail below the belt or something. But there's already I think there's an already a below the belt podcast. Um, so we're just trying to see what's available at the moment. But I don't even know. I don't really care too much about the name as long as the thing's interesting. The name will take care of itself. I think. Um, there you go. But yeah, I don't know. What do you guys reckon? Walkabout? Walkabout's pretty good. I, 
Yeah, I Kid mean, Dale Walkabout. Well, just the, the Dale McHale yeah. You could also just have a podcast called I Have an Amazing Beard. And people would download it. <laughs> I'd listen to this they shit. They just go, man, podcast. have you heard the latest I Have an Amazing Beard? That's some <laughs> good shit right there. That's, that's an wait, and then they're going to be like, wait, it's called what? I Have an Amazing Beard. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, your beard's great. But it's like, what's the name of the podcast you were talking about? There, And then, you know, I know. Here we go. Creates interest. It's a it's a nice thing that That's already name? built itself. It's his name. It's a That's amazing. Who's on first forever and ever? So, Kit, <laughs> talk me through this year. What it what is going to be? Where do we see Kit Dale this year? Do we see him at Worlds? Do we not? Hopefully, see what happened at Pans, and also maybe do this for our our listeners because maybe they don't understand what happened at Pans. Can you explain what happened? Because I think people just were like. Oh man, he didn't like sign up and like yeah, so he's stupid. Yeah, yeah, no, I explain that first. I will be doing worlds. Um, I leave on the eighteenth, um, so I better register now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm um, I'm going to do training with uh, Drysdale in the camp over there and spend some time in Vegas, um, and then acro- then I'll go across and do the worlds um, for the the Pan Ams. Now, what happened was. My gym that opened about five weeks ago was meant to open three weeks earlier than that, which was during March. So it was, it was originally set to open on March 16th. But what happened, there was some building problems and it got dropped back like three weeks. And this would have been, oh, I can't remember the date of it, but I was like, man, I should go do Pan Ams then. So I went, I checked how much money I got and I was like, yeah, okay, I got enough money. I booked my ticket. I flew within three days and I wanted to see like what my weight was like when I landed, just to, depending on what division, whether I did the, the middle heavy or could do middle. And then I got there and I gave it like three days for my weight to drop down and then went to register and they're like, oh no, they've closed off like the whole registration. I was like, oh yeah, cool. So just they'll put me in later, right? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah cool, cool. So I still wasn't stressed because I just, I'd been late to a lot of things. I'm really unorganized. Um, and like the Australian competitions, I've signed up late to almost every single time and they just put you in. But the IFBJJ, like, just did not want to budge. They were just like, no, nah, we don't give a fuck. You're late, your problem, which really sucks for for me and for like a lot of people that wanted to watch. Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah, I mean, because yeah. it's so simple to go, okay, he's late, put him in, fuck, how hard is that? I mean... You don't need yeah. to be a scientist to write someone else's name in a uh, on a bracket <laughs> that you hand write anyway. Um, so I was disappointed, and I was more disappointed for like the people that really wanted to watch me fight. But um, yeah, I assure you, it was just me being like the way I am, which is like I said, lazy and uh, unorganized. And if anyone knows me, knows that's what I'm like. Um, and just the thought that I got definitely thought that I put me in late even if I was late anyway because people were already telling me like, man, they've, they've cut off uh, sign updates and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, don't stress, don't stress. It'd be cool. And then when they wouldn't change me and I was like, holy shit, man, I couldn't believe that. But um, it didn't matter. I had, a, I had a fun, a really cool camp over there and I had mean, a lot of fun. Unfortunately, your competition loss was my game because getting to watch a series of events with you is an experience that I, I wish upon – just about anybody like there's watching jujitsu and then there's experiencing jujitsu with you which is i mean honestly you should charge people for that (laughs) uh because i i mean it's a nice mess of both talking shit having a great time 
not taking yourself too seriously. And then at the same time, technique comes in there too. So it's like a, a nice grab bag of all of those things. And That's I was like, cool damn, thing. it sucks that you're not competing, but well, I won, so screw everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's a th- is, I even look at the same thing. Like, I enjoy, I really enjoy watching it. So even though like I was disheartened, I couldn't compete. I really, I, I'm a fan of the sport, and I, I really enjoy watching it. I'm a fan of a lot of the uh, a lot of the athletes. So you know, it doesn't bother me so much. Uh, I got a lot of years of competition left in me. I feel like my body's better than you know ever now. So. I'm not in any rush. I enjoy the process. So if I miss out on a competition, I miss out. Uh, I still really enjoy, you know, being out there, meeting you guys, hanging with people and stuff. And, you know, I had a really, like, it was one of my best trips. So it was a lot of fun, man. So I appreciate I appreciate that and appreciate hanging with me while I was probably talking a lot of shit watching. Hey, man. Well, these are also <laughs> all the matches that the finals were closeouts oh, also that was that was super like exciting six of them. so thank god you weren't in there yeah thank god yeah yeah no of course not Fuck. worst case scenario we have a final and that would have been catastrophic that killed me that killed me so much i don't understand it look i the only time i would ever close out a division is if the guy i'm fighting really doesn't want to fight me because they have some kind of emotional connection to it jujitsu to me is like playing a game of chess and like if I said to my friend, let's play chess, and he's like, mm, I really don't want to. I feel, you know, I don't want to lose or win against it. I'd be like, what the fuck, man? Uh, <laughs> it's it's the same thing with jujitsu. It's like you, I can compete with my own brother and have fun out there and still like, you know, be cool. I Absolutely. Th- people like they talk about it like, oh, no, it's, it's loyalty and brotherhood. They, they've got something confused in their head because – it's a jiu-jitsu match, and if a ju- the outcome of a jiu-jitsu match is going to affect your friendship, then how strong is your friendship? Good note. I actually hadn't heard that argument. I like that side. Just from a pure, it's a sport. Like You, you have to yeah. treat it like a sport. If you Kevin want it to and I grow. actually have a great agreement, and there's a lot of ifs in this statement. Like if yeah. we were amazing black belts and if we somehow made it to close out a final – we have like an agreement that's written on verbal tap stationary that just says we are allowed to kill each other for the sake <laughs> of sport. Because someone's not leaving that. Matter. Here's the thing: no like people paid to see that, and Kevin is like a brother to me. But I think we're grown up enough to know that that's why we do the sport. Because you would got to finish that match. You would. See I'm not giving up first. Somebody are you kidding? in tennis being like, "I like this guy too much. We're calling it a day." It was fun. Okay. Hi, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about the World Cup? If it's like two teams that enjoy each other, that is like, oh happen. no, we really get along with Spain. Oh, I, yeah. I summered there once. Yeah. I can't compete yeah. against yeah. Spain. It makes no sense. I, I've my, I've got th- two brothers, and we grew up spending most of the time fighting each other. You know, and like amount of times they punch me in the face, I can't even remember. But they're your brothers, man. You I think fight, that's called a concussion. Just it. to <laughs> let just, you know I got, that I got a little bit of brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's like they're your brothers that that kind of stuff happens in Australia I used to play football and you'd be on the field and you'd get in a full-blown fight with someone but after the game he was your best friend he'd come let's have a drink and stuff like together it was like it was almost like bonding and I think the same thing in jiu-jitsu would be the same if people looked at it that way um, it's like you go out there and you know you, you put on like the most I can't find the word, but like the best thing you can do is if your friends or your train partners is go up there and display good jujitsu. You know what I mean? The crowd would be a lot more appreciative of that 
Uh, and if you have, like I said, if your friendship's strong enough, then the outcome of any jiu-jitsu match is not going to alter that or affect that. It's only when the ego comes in and, you know, starts playing its part that people are too worried about going out there and like, oh, what if I lose and stuff? People are going to, my students are going to leave and go to his club and stuff. The thing that they don't take into account, and a lot of people don't take into account, is whoever wins the competitions in jiu-jitsu isn't a clear indicator of who's got better jiu-jitsu at all. And if you, you break it down, like you go out there, right, let's say me and you are top-level black belts, we've never fought each other ever, okay? And we go out there and we compete against each other for six minutes. For six minutes in a life is so small, or 10 minutes, whatever you like to call it. And 10 minutes is too long anyway because no one should do anything for 10 minutes. It's too fucking boring. So let's say six <laughs> minutes, Okay. We go there for six minutes, and let's say I catch your back somewhere, and I beat you, or I, you know. And then people look at that and like, oh, he's better and stuff. But no, he's not. He just got a good draw. He had a good day. He got lucky in that six minutes. If we're gonna like, it's gonna be a clear indicator of who's actually better. Let's make them fight one hundred times over a span of a year. Okay, a hundred times have the same type of training partners at the same facilities, compete. You know. 10 times for 6 minutes, 10 times for 20 minutes, 10 times for 30 minutes. And at the end of that, what you'll find is the person that won that 6-minute first match is probably complete, like not even the same result as what it would be in the long run. You know what I mean? You find like there's these people that like they come into competition and they're specialists and they can do well for 6 minutes. They're athletic, they're strong, and, and they can win and stuff. And you see a lot of these guys and you look at it and you go like, shit, man, how is he winning? He's not even that good. But... If you and then you look at the other side of things, and you've got these like uh, specialists that um, that'll come into a like they'll go on your training and they'll be beating everyone at training. Like you hear all the time, like Lucas Lepree, Lucas Lage, Marillo Santana, they kill everyone at training, uh, and they've they've got good strategies for everyone, and they beat them all. But then it comes to competition, and they struggle a little bit in competition for that six minutes. But if you got them all rolling, like if Lucas Lepree, Lucas Lage, and that roll with all those guys. You know, for a long time before they compete, they would probably go out there and smash them because they would actually devise a, a strategy to beat them. And that's what jiu-jitsu should be. It should be like devising strategies to beat one another, not like who can win the first six minutes, you know, and depending on who's got a good draw and who fights who uh, whatnot. It's not a clear indicator. So that's like my one thing I don't like about competition and it doesn't bother me so much like who wins it. I'm more like who's putting on good performances in jiu-jitsu uh, matches and who's winning like more, the more strategy roles, you know what I mean? I hope I explained myself right then. I probably went off in a you little did. bit. You did. You just made that was good. Uh, a wonderful suggestion that could never feasibly come into existence as much as I'd like it to be. To be like, hey guys, here's what's happening. Every weekend this year, you're going to compete against the same guy. Now, hear me out, okay? That'd be fucking awesome. Two yeah. fans are going like, to lose their yeah. shit. They're going to yeah. love this. Yeah. Um, Eddie Hoyler next week back here. Okay, Let's see you guys. It. Let's do Let's it. Do and you'll find it'll be so much different every single time yeah. because uh, that's what jiu-jitsu should be, you know what I mean? But unfortunately, you can't do that. But So at least do what Copa Podio were doing and do a round-robin format, you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Everyone going to have a bad first Five, round. Five, yeah. Like I, I, yeah. Fought, I fought Sebastian Broch in the Abu Dhabi Pro in, in the final as a brown belt last year and it was the worst – uh, fight I've ever had, like I, my worst performance, and it was like everyone that saw me said, "Kit," like even Galvald come up and said, "Kit, man, that wasn't you." And 
there was a few reasons why and like um but we let's not get into that but like you can have bad performances and that was by far my worst so to that's like that's the whole in jiu-jitsu is like jiu-jitsu is so big but you've got like a small little match and the most athletic and you know switched on guys usually going to win that it's um not the guy with the best jiu-jitsu so like i love competition and stuff because it's fun and you get to display good jiu-jitsu but it's not really a true indicator of who the best jiu-jitsu guys are man I'm loving this. Sorry, you you uh, have piqued our jujitsu nerdiness. I'm like, uh, we hit a we hit a point in this podcast where we're always like, uh oh, now we've gotten meta because Raf and I can talk about jujitsu and hear people's perspective on tournaments literally all day long. Yeah. Just because we, I mean, we agree. We don't love we don't love the IBJJF format. We hear too many complaints about it. You see a little bit too much of the the same thing. To be honest, over and over again. And it seems to get such a strong reaction from the jiu-jitsu community that it's just nice to hear the alternative ideas and perspectives. Because, uh, and I think Raf and I, for one, would definitely watch you fight somebody fifty times over the course of a year, especially with some of the names. Mm-hmm. It's like watching you and Lach or yeah, <laughs> some, uh, like, that'd be pretty badass. <laughs> I just like that somebody brings spots. out a scroll that's just like. Oh, guys, we, we mapped out. It's long-term. Just Number 48. <laughs> All right. And in year 2018, you will fight again. <laughs> it's going to be a long road, but That's it's it. going to be worth it. That's it's it. going to make it. <laughs> but I, I think there there is something, and it's a true testament that that is something that you, you give to your students. And I, I think that's something that becomes ingrained the more and more people hear it and see it. So it, it is nice that that perspective exists. And I like the fact that there are people, too, who like competition as a once-over. But I don't think anybody would ever just sit there and be like, Black Belt lost. He sucks. Yeah. 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 Too bad. Yeah, he's not that good anymore. Yeah. Which is why for us, like, as audiences, when we watch it, we, we always respond to great jiu-jitsu, no matter where it is. It's just a matter of how is it happening and, well, what are the rules? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that, it's like there's there's another situation that uh, pops up with that kind of stuff. And I think Happy Lovato Jr. is talking about it. And he's talking about how these yeah. days, like, brown belts are getting better exposure than the black belts yeah. uh, and stuff like that. And I think it's like a combination of people are excited to see new matchups that come across. Um, but also the way the format's set up, if you go to black belt, and let's say you win the brown belts and you go to black belt, but you're not doing too well – then the brown belts are going to get better exposure, even though you're better than them, than what you are. Yeah. Uh, because you keep going out there and you're getting beaten, you know, by even if you're getting good fights and stuff, you're getting beaten by good guys. Uh, and the level, the difference is, is that big. Um, and that's why, like, I, I spoke not long ago about, it would never happen, but the possibility of changing the way the format is, and it should be, like, should be playoffs to get to, like, a certain, a certain level. So, like, instead of black belt, it should be, like, the pro league, right? Then instead of uh, brown belt, it should be like division one, division two, three, etc. You know what I mean. So instead of the belts, and your goal should be to 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 work your way up to that first division. Like your goal should always be like, okay, it's the black belt, but it could, should be for competition. It should be working your way up to that division, and it should be like whether at the end of your career you can say, look, I competed uh, in the pro league division for you know three years or four years, and then you know you should have to like. Not just like earn that, but that keep that, you know. And as once you finish like your competition, then you go back. That's the the worst thing in jiu-jitsu is like these people got black belts like mm. twenty years ago, 
and failed to keep on learning and like but they're still ranked as black belts they're still when you look at the black belt level and they're probably higher because they've been there for so long than what this guy is but this guy's got an encyclopedia of knowledge and this guy's got this tiny little part but that's all existed back then it should be something that is you know continually taught like if you're a doctor i'm guessing and i'm not a doctor but i'm guessing if you are you have to upgrade and (laughs) re-evaluate the information every year (laughs) so you know Hey, Verbal Tap fans, just a reminder, head over to dsgear.com, check out that Datsusara battle pack, let them know Verbal Tap section. Now back to our interview with Kit Dale and me, as a special treat, explaining that we just went to commercial break and Kit's very funny reaction. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that. As you (laughs) were. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Little special break. It's windy here. It's windy <laughs> here. <laughs> so, oh, Kit Dale, this is fantastic, Kit. You, uh, you have to come on our podcast man, more happy often. To, man. You know, when you're not sabotaging it brilliantly, <laughs> we can do it together, man, for sure. KitDaleBJJ.com. Yeah. What can people get at KitDaleBJJ.com? Mostly selfies of myself. Um, Perfect. <laughs> enough. I've heard enough. So go signing up. <laughs> Um, no, anything jujitsu related for myself, anything I've got coming up, DVDs coming out, uh, online training coming out, uh, articles, blogs, it's all, it's all set through there. So, um, if you want to keep up to date with what I'm doing, the best way to do it is subscribe to my website and you'll be first to receive all the information. Sweet. That's awesome. And you keep it consistent across your social medias. People can find you, Kit Dale. BJJ. Yeah, it'd be hard not to find me these days. I was about if, you find to say, someone. if you can't find Kit Dale on social media, <laughs> you need to retire from jujitsu because you're not going to provide us with anything. It's you. Yeah, yeah. People it's like, you. Sometimes it's not, but uh-oh. that's you. If you can't this find him, too hard. Oh man, no! I don't know how to find him. Google provides me no answers. <laughs> when I give up, get out of my sport. Yeah. Get uh, out. Start tennis. Start something. <laughs> I don't know that no man, one else I, does. Do something like it's a it's a funny story there because I I once I went to this um there was a lady that was uh she's got a shop. It's called oh, fuck I can't even remember what it's called but it's a big DVD shop and I and they just sell music and stuff and I went up there and I was filming myself as a oh. joke. And I went up there and I said, "Excuse me, have you uh, have you guys got Kit Dale's greatest hits?" And she's like, "Um, let me check." And she like types on a computer, swings her computer around, and she's just googled my name. And then like all photos of me have just popped up, and I'm just like, "Oh God, okay, thank you, see you later." And like ran out of there, like full freaked out. I was like, "Okay, that didn't work." I was hoping she'd try and go on the system or something. It'd be a funny little video. But yeah, she like she just googled my name and swinging around. It's like all these photos of me, and I'm just like, oh god, okay, thank you very much. See you later. Love it. It was funny. It was funny. She just she out boxed you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Kit, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you stopping by the podcast this evening. Um, it was a pleasure. It was really good to hear your perspective on things. This yeah, has thank been you awesome. Very much, it's man. Been a really good BJJ. True, and angle. you will have your first two uh, subscribers right here. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Awesome, thank you very much. I, really I will be listening to the Dale McHale walkabout. Yeah. I will be tuned in and subscribe. <laughs> Kit Dale, ladies and gentlemen. All right, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. No problem. Raph, what a podcast.
We got to talk to Zach Calhoun, mm-hmm. Kit Dale. Am I right? Jeez. Yeah, always a good time. Like, how did you not expect to have a good, fun time with, with Kit Dale? I actually did. I was giddy about this podcast. I was mm. like, yes, this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> That's what I said to myself in the mirror during my verbal tap pump-up session. What do you say to yourself during your verbal tap pump-up session, ref? Make sure Kevin doesn't suck. That's probably good. That's good. That's I. Yeah, I just have that painted of the try not to suck mm-hmm. before I leave the door every time. <laughs> hey, it's time for shout outs. <laughs> I need a drop or something. Yeah, pretty bad for that because it's getting rough. Um, BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly. It's been fun. We're getting uh, a little bit. Andrew's on his way to Brazil. The lucky bastard. Awesome. Yeah, he's actually scheduled a seminar for just when he gets back, just to show us what he learns in Brazil. But it's been fun up there. We've gotten to uh, get a little more Nick, a little more Rob, some black belts, getting some teaching stripes under their belt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should have pumped it up a little harder tonight, Rap, because it's been rough. Um, <laughs> BJJ Finder, use it for your jiu-jitsu location school needs. And I'm mostly just going to stop talking. Rap. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. Are you retiring now? You're just, nah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I quit. I submit. I'm tapping out. Oh, that's a good, good place to stop, Kevin. Uh, my shout outs. Let's start with this. Uh, Valley Martial Arts Center. B. Mac. Out in North Hollywood, California. Uh, we got to say this, you guys. Uh, do you have white belts? Do they enjoy yeah, competition? Do they live in the general California, Nevada region? If so, we've got a tournament that's going on down at Valley Martial Arts Center in North Hollywood. It's going to go down Sunday, June 8th. It is going to be a single elimination tournament for 30 bucks. Uh, our space is always really cool whenever we host tournaments. We're really excited to be hosting it for you guys. So uh, keep a lookout for that. If you are a higher belt, I believe Dream Jiu-Jitsu has a couple tournaments coming on. They've got the baddest brown and the baddest purple coming up. So go check out Dream Jiu-Jitsu for more information about that. Yeah. Did I read that right, too? They flip a coin right before the match, whether it's gi or no gi? Uh, You know what? I don't know that I read that, Kevin. Where did you read that? I just dreamed it. I read it on the thing Travis posted. (laughs) I thought that was what I read. (laughs) I hope that's what it is. That's fucking cool. I mean, uh, I'm into it. Whatever it is, that'd be crazy. As long as it's never me, I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, crazy. we always do a good time. We love the good people over at Dream Jiu-Jitsu. I want to take an extra special moment to thank my entire VMAC family for, for coming out uh, to my show. We just did uh, an installment of Early Late Night this week over at Flappers Comedy Club. And they showed up. <laughs> so much awesome. to the point where... I had to do material that was jujitsu based and had to tell people up top that was like, hey, guys, just a heads up. Some of you regulars who come, we will be doing jujitsu humor. And even better than that, Kevin, all three of my featured comics, not only uh, two of which I I train with, but uh, not only do they all do jujitsu, but all very funny guys. That's insane. From I do. So Raph and I, as the people know, do stand up comedy to have even two people that do jujitsu or have trained is an uncanny amount of people on stage. So yeah. it was like four of you total that do jujitsu. That's absurd. 
Yes. And I was obviously the worst at everybody up there. Um, I just saw you getting – I saw pictures. I did get triangle show. check out early late night. It's a great show. It's a really good, really good live show, and I've seen all of them. Um, the triangle choke, yeah. There's just a few. It's somebody so, grabbing like your suit lapel. I laughed. Yes, really that funny. was that was our magician Joe. Joe Thomas. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll shout him out individually so that you kind of know. Joe Thomas, a wonderful magician, wonderful um, just uh, ability to get people. And I, he had such a killer segment. And uh, I think he'll be coming back to do more on a show. But as a training partner, Joe is super great, and uh, we're we're expecting big things from him. You know, he's going to be a, a good guy, both competition wise, and if you want to see uh, great magic, or you just want to hire him, if you want to have some magic at a corporate function or something like that, uh, he's perfect for that. So keep that in mind. Uh, then Joey House, who is a guy from our Jean Jacques Machado affiliate, he. Basically, during our sit-down panel, uh, we were just kind of joking, and then it just kind of came up where somebody goes, oh, man, if only there was a way to demonstrate what a triangle choke is, and then you just immediately see this look in my face that go, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. This is what's happening, oh, right? This is what a talk show host does, right? And then you just hear one voice that just goes, do it. And I go, yep. Before, before the masses start, yes, let's just get it out of the way. And I'll tell you, his triangle is very solid. Good. So there's that. Uh, Johnny Roque, or I'm sorry, Roque, very funny comedian. If you guys get the chance, check out his material as well. But one kind of recurring thing that we did during the show that I think you'd enjoy is every time somebody came up, we did something else jiu-jitsu-based or wrestling-based. So when Johnny came up, it was him, like, changing levels and trying to attack me. When... Joe came up. He was putting me in a Kimura. Uh, and then when <laughs> Joey came up, it was me and him pummeling practice. And uh, it, it played over well with the audience. But the reason why we wanted to spend so much time on that is uh, a great experience. Good people at Flappers. But uh, it's always really fun when you have your team there uh, supporting you. So to everybody who came, I'm going to butcher getting all of you guys here. But, you know, you're Zach. Your Carlitos, uh, your Alejandro, your Eric, your Bonnie, your Deb, um, all of you guys for coming. It was a true delight to get you guys to bring people who I think enjoyed it as well. But uh, we'll be doing more of those in the future. And until then, continue beating me up at class. That's a great call out, and I completely concur. Is that gonna do it for you, Raph? You shout I think it out. So. I think so. I'm. Uh, you know, you and I both have to depart now. You Absolutely, have to go do I gotta go. That you gotta do shady things, and I've gotta head go to Vegas. Drinking bachelor party. Yo, fuck you! God damn it! You ruin my day every time we finish these. <laughs> You're always going to Vegas because that's Vegas gonna is do great. it for us tonight at Verbal Tap. Thanks for listening. Good night, and I'm going to Vegas, bitch. <laughs>